Papa, do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> Olaf, can you hear me? That's weird. They do sound the same. They, do. they sound the same. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler specials. This one is dedicated to Deadpool 2. And as such, we're calling this the Deadpool 2 spoiler special. That's just... That's just lazy writing. Now, if you listen to last week's regular podcast, you'll know that we were meant to record this with Dan Jolin. Unfortunately, we recorded that podcast in a particularly high wind and, well, I'm afraid Dan didn't make it. Uh, so, shirt cocking it with me over the next hour or so to discuss oh, no. the ins and outs and the ins and outs and ins and outs of the latest Wade Wilson escapade. Our three colleagues of such lethal cunning, our very own X-Force, if you will, or B-Force, because frankly you're all the B-team. Hey. First up, we have our very own Domino. Not because she's lucky, but because she falls over a lot. It's like, <laughs> like Domino's. It's yeah. Helen O'Hara. Uh-huh. You should have heard the other one. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't want to hear the other <laughs> that's one. That's not hear the other one. I did fall over that one time and break my arm. So, you know, fair yeah. play. Yeah. Okay. You did, didn't you? Yeah. You did do that. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have our very own Cable. Uh, well, it could be Cable. He's a grumpy warrior. May not be from the future, but he's certainly grumpy. Then again, he may just be a major A-lister in disguise. It's very, very hard to tell. Or most likely, he's just here to vomit acid all over the place. It's James Dyer. Hello. I think of myself more as the Peter of this particular group, but, you know. No. Nah. Last but not least, it's a Peter of this particular group, a lovable schlub who has excellent facial hair, but will contribute next to nothing. Uh, it's Nick Dissemlian. Hello. I saw the ad. <laughs> and so I just wandered in. Don't worry, Nick. I won't let anything bad to happen to you, Sugar Bear. It's all good. It's all fine. Uh, so there we go. Our... Sorry, is Sugar Bear the new nickname that you guys have for each other? It's Instead no. of neighbours, is it going to be Nick Sugar Bear? Name. No. Oh. It's, no, no, no. Sugar Bear will never supplant Nabes. Isn't that right, well... Nabes? Well... I call you Treacle Cheeks. <laughs> M- make this stop. That's a special Friday night nickname that we should we should keep we should keep off pod. Just keep it off pod. Okay, Treacle Cheeks. Oh my god. Anyway, that's the team assembled. But before you hear us blithering idiots talk about Deadpool two in great detail, uh, let's hear from one of the key people, if not the key person behind this movie. He is the co-writer of the film, the co-producer of the film, and the star of the film. Yes, it's Deadpool himself, Ryan. Rodney Reynolds and uh, he was in London recently and I went along to talk to him and we got pretty spoilerific pretty fast so this is a reminder this is a spoiler special if this is your first time at an Empire spoiler special we go deep and we go deep pretty quickly if you want to avoid spoilers just stop listening but if you want to listen to the spoilers highly to your nearest cinema see Deadpool 2 and then come back here sounds good good deal sounds like a good deal right so those guys are gone the rest of us can listen to it here I am talking to Ryan Reynolds, and we get into it right at the end of the film. Here we go. Enjoy. I always remember that Chevy Chase moment when in Fletch, when the <laughs> doctor sticks his finger up his ass. Why are you Moon thinking of that moment? <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea. I'm not comparing you to proctology in any way, shape, or form, Chris. It's, uh, it was just in my head. Yeah, yeah. Bend Bring over, me the head of Alfredo see, Garcia. See um, yeah. And a cup of hot fat. Lots of questions. Oh, good. Lots, Lots of questions. Let's dive in. Uh, we are delighted to be joined on this very special Deadpool 2 spoiler special. By the star of the film, the co-writer of the film, the producer of the film. Oh, that sounds exhausting. Is that it? I think so. Anything else you did? Uh, I also I played Deadpool. You played Deadpool. Is that part you two? played Deadpool. Yeah. Um, uh, Ryan Reynolds. How are you, sir? Uh, pretty good, Chris. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I haven't seen you since Deadpool 1. Yes, indeed. I've been lurking. 
Yes. In the dark. Lurking around in the, the shadows. Dark. I follow you on social media, so I sort of cyber stalk you a little bit. So. <laughs> well, can I just apologize for everything I've tweeted over the last... No, you're great at three it. From it. Oh, you're good at no, it. No, you're no, no, great no. at Some it. Some people that, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, you, you use the medium in the right way. Sparingly. Yeah. Well, not sparingly, because I tweet 24-7, yeah, pretty much. But but so does everybody. <laughs> I don't, because I'd go to jail if I did that. I feel like I would just totally implode. I'd love to see your drafts folder. Oh, don't. Yeah, that's a dangerous, dark place. Oh, God. Yeah. There's stuff in there that I've literally uh, removed before going through airport security. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mine would get me fired, but yours would get you arrested. So mine would, yeah, mine would make my life just implode into oh, powder. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. That's good to know. Maybe we'll discuss that another time, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but this is, uh, this is spoiler therapy. So, uh, I'm going to get straight into it right away with one of the big questions. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start at the end of the movie. Okay. With the, uh, the post credit sting. Yeah. Now, Deadpool, the end of the movie is trying to fix the X-Men timeline. Now, Okay. I'm saying that that would take a lot longer than the post-credits thing we have here. So uh, was, was it longer yeah. at any point? Or uh, No, because, you know, Deadpool is uh, an inherently myopic and selfish human <laughs> being. So Deadpool just took care of his own timeline. Yeah. Uh, under the guise of I'm cleaning up all the timelines, this is what he says to, to Hugh Jackman uh, yeah. in that moment. He's not even not even Wolverine to me anymore. It's just Hugh Jackman. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, he just, it was just a fun little one that we did using, <laughs> we had a, we had a, Dick of a time trying to get the uh, actual raw footage, though, from X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. So we wow. had to we had How? to go into the well. The, this is this the movie was shot on film. It wasn't shot on on digital, so it was okay. harder to get. And even yeah, yeah. though we were sitting there on the Fox lot, the exact piece of the movie we need had been damaged. Uh-huh. On the um, whatever the transfer was, so we had to go to some backup, which was in some you know vault somewhere in the middle of the country of the United States, and we ended up finally at the last second inputting it into the movie, and it just it's, <laughs> for me, I was I was literally losing sleep over it though. I was thinking, oh my god, how are we going to do this? Am I going to have to call Hugh and ask him to? you know, shoot this chunk that looks exactly like a movie he's already done. I can't think of a oh, worse Christ. hell for a human being to do than go, hey, why don't you take the scene from a movie you did 10 years ago and yeah. and recreate it exactly. So, no, we ended up getting the little piece of footage. And, and would you have had to do the whole thing? Would you have had to do the, the no mouth Deadpool uh, again? Ironically, my side was fine. Your side was fine. His, his side, his. the one shot we needed of him going, you know, Wade. Yeah, he's yeah, looking yeah. At, at the, you know, bizarre Baraka pool thing. Uh, we just didn't have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, was that something you had wanted to do since, well, since two thousand and eight, pretty much? Uh, well, I feel like Deadpool one and Deadpool two are just a, just a corrective answer to all of that anyway. So <laughs> it's for me that cleaned up the timeline kind of perfectly. This, this extra little thing was just a little bonus for for, and it was personal for both Wade and myself. So. <laughs> yeah, felt good. And uh, what about? I mean, I've never seen this before uh, in a movie where the lead character of the film kills the lead actor executes ryan reynolds yeah now you're sitting here in front of me so i presume that you're a life model decoy totally fine clone totally fine yeah okay that's just makeup and special yeah most of the things most of the appearances i make are holograms this is actually me right here with you chris right now uh thanks man yeah not unlike celine dion and many others uh i too have a hologram Uh, where did that idea come from to kill to kill yourself Uh, the 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 entire teaser trailer uh, sorry the teaser trailer not the entire tag to the movie the coda the after credit sequence mm. why does it have so many fucking names uh, <laughs> is was actually initially conceived as a scene with with Peter oh, okay the whole thing was going to be a scene with Peter just because we loved Peter yeah, yeah. Uh, we loved Rob Delaney's character of Peter um, and then at the last minute we huddled up and we thought you know what let's get Peter in there but let's do something what if 
I think it was Dave Leach's idea. He, he, he sort of felt like, oh, you know, what if we just wouldn't Wade try somehow, some way to steal that time travel device and bring Vanessa back? I was like, no, we can't bring Vanessa. That's cheating. You know, I was like, wait a second though. But if we did, so all the great ideas on the movie, sorry. <laughs> Somebody suggests something like sometimes I'll suggest something that's so dumb. And then Rhett and Paul will be like, okay, yes, that is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. But if we added this and this and this, it makes it worthwhile. <laughs> so David suggested we go back and save Vanessa. And then Rhett, Paul and I thought, well, okay, fine. If we're going to go back and save Vanessa, let's save Peter. Uh-huh. Let's kill Baraka pool and let's execute Ryan Reynolds. So <laughs> seems was, fair to me. Yeah. And then suddenly it was like, Oh my God, we have the, we have the coda. So we yeah. shot that in an afternoon, all, all the chunks of it in an afternoon. Okay. And, uh, and that was that. Yeah. Good, good, good. So you yeah. saved Peter. We saved Peter. Yeah. Do you save the rest of X-Force? So I love that he just completely ignores the, uh, this marquee cast that he could have saved with useful and wonderful superheroes, <laughs> but instead went back and said, well, here's the thing though. I always felt it was important to save Peter just because in the, in the helicopter before we jump out skydiving, I yeah. say to him, I never let anything happen to you, sugar bear. I'm just saying this to impress the other guys. Laird, hit it. And we all jump out of the, the thing. So I, I felt like that was a promise that Wade made early on in the movie. Yeah. And it was nagging him, so he went yeah. back and got Peter. And the other guys knew what they were getting into. This poor schlub. Yeah, we can't afford to have the other guys yeah. to bring him back. No, they have, they have to remain dead. That is One in particular true. would be very expensive. <laughs> so uh, Terry Crews, obviously. Yes, obviously. All Terry that Cruz. sweet Brooklyn Nine-Nine yes, cash. Yes, of course. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm still laughing at the X4 stuff, yeah. because that is audacious. You set up this idea that you're introducing this X-Force, and I'm sure that'll still happen, yeah. ultimately, just not with these guys. Yeah. Where did that idea come from? It was a it was a moment where we needed something. It was a totally inorganic way to create a scene. It was it we were we needed a bridge between Deadpool um getting out of prison mm-hmm. and needing to go after Cable. And we just it just felt too like Deadpool just got his ass kicked by Cable. Yeah. Uh, so he you know you you don't want to just go right into chasing Cable on the convoy and having that fight with him. And that's how it was originally written. And it was just like we just needed this breath of air in there. Uh-huh. So the the fake X Force is what we called it. Fake X Force. We was actually. If you think about it, it's a totally modular scene in the movie. Like, yeah. if you cut it out, the movie wouldn't actually change anything. It wouldn't actually change any <laughs> of the storyline. Anything. It was just like this ridiculous, funny thing. And then, so in the initial concepts of it, we were having Wade decides to jump out of the. This is the first draft of it. Uh-huh. Wade decides to you know assemble this incredible team. We assemble this incredible team. We get up in a helicopter. We're going to go over the drop zone. We're going to jump in, and then we actually land in a minefield. <laughs> And just every single one of them, one after another, explodes, which is a really funny concept in theory. But, like, why is there a fucking landmine? Like, I don't know. Where do the landmines come from? Who lands in a a field of landmines? Like, (laughs) this isn't, you know, Vietnam. This is an urban environment, city environment. There's no business for landmines to be there. So that idea was quickly struck down. And then we just sort of thought it would be fun to do this kind of... um, you know, sort of Rube Goldberg style, sort of, you know, one grisly death after another and, and just keep cutting back to Wade as he reacts, you know. And, <laughs> it was you know. the uh, Final Destination 6 I've always wanted. It 100%. was percent Absolutely last. Totally uh, inspired by Final Destination. <laughs> and you, as you say, you do kill off a, a number of name actors, including uh, The Fanisher. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Mr. William Bradley Pitt. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, how on earth did you get Brad Pitt How for did that get one Brad- shot? Well, I, um... You know, I'd met 
Brad a couple of times in my life. We always had a nice conversation, a nice flow. Dave Leach, our director, little piece of trivia here, was his stunt double for years and years and years. Oh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith as well. Uh, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the Mexican. I wow. did, did a bunch of movies with Brad. Um, and so there was, a, there was a pre-existing relationship there. But, but uh, it, you know, it's the power of just like asking, just writing a letter. <laughs> so I wrote, I wrote Brad a letter saying, look, we have this fucking completely stupid role of this guy who's invisible and wordless like says nothing in the entire movie he's invisible he we all jump out of an airplane the only time we see him is eight frames of footage when he's electrocuted to death uh sort of suddenly and and quite you know (laughs) unexpectedly and we think it would be really hilarious if that was the biggest movie star in the world um so he just thought that was funny and said you know i'll do it but you gotta I, i'll do it for a a, a, a latte so <laughs> i said i'll bring you a starbucks you know and he said great and, I, and then i said uh, the franchise or just one individual <laughs> cup of coffee and he said one individual i was like thank you because like the, the former i couldn't do yeah and he just came in and you know i think he shot for seven minutes that was about oh, it really yeah we just did a secret little shoot with the skeleton crew on the fox lot uh, wow. way after um we were into post-production and, everything. Mm-hmm. and he came in and just gave us his best sort of Buster Keaton look as he's getting, getting electrocuted. And, um, and there he was in the movie. We were all kind of walking on sunshine afterwards. We were like, how did that just happen? Brad Pitt just came in for free and gave well, us a, one look for a latte for a latte in yeah. fairness yeah that was it yeah. I, I would do that as well but yeah. if you need someone unknown for the next one just I'm just saying I, I would do, do unspeakable things for a, a latte <laughs> at, at certain points of my life so and yeah. we're back to the draft folder again yes exactly uh, there's a lot of death in this movie as you as you might imagine given that it's Deadpool and he kills a whole bunch of people um, there is Deadpool yeah. dies in this film for yeah. a bit for yeah. a bit but uh, his death scene I loved it because it was Python-esque because it goes on and on Thank you for saying Python-esque. I was inspired by Monty Python. It oh, was, really? Yeah. It was, I'm, I'm not dead. I'm getting better. Like yeah, kind of it yeah. was this. Yeah. And, and actually, that is the short version. I was going to ask. Yeah. How long? Because I honestly could have watched another half an hour of that. Oh, that's so nice of you. But I, yeah, we had a version that just went on and on and on. I mean, it was like, you know, we kept cutting to the different characters watching. And eventually their faces go from empathy to just please die. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. We foreshadow the death at the beginning of the movie. But Wade sort of yes. says at the very outset, I'm, I'm dying in this one, too. But here's a fun little spoiler fact okay. about that death scene. Is that at the beginning of the movie, he says, fuck Wolverine, you know, the mother, Harry motherfucker died in his movie. Well, guess what? I'm dying in this one too. So the, the, when Deadpool dies in the third act of, of Deadpool two, the music that's playing is actually the Logan death music. (laughs) It's this, it's the exact same music that, uh, that was used when Logan died on that very unfortunate tree branch uh, in Logan. Yeah. Such a poorly positioned branch. Yeah, it was. And we, we were all very nervous because we really had to go ask Mangold if he would the director yeah. of Logan, if he would give us um, give us this music, and yeah. uh, he seemed to get a chuckle out of it, it was like no problem. So, was the idea to kill uh, to kill Wade, uh, albeit briefly? Was that was that inspired? Was that pre Logan, post Logan? Because it's obviously very direct in the movie. It feels well, like a very direct. What's response weird to that. is that most of this script was written pre Logan, and you know. Avengers and all that stuff had none of those movies had come out yet. So um, we didn't know much about Logan. I mean, I knew Logan had dire consequences because I'm friends with Hugh. So I knew Mm -hmm. that that was kind of, I had a little tip that that was, you know, the end, but yeah, we didn't, we didn't really know. So um, we, we always sort of had planned on Wade having this kind of 
epic and utterly stupid death scene at the end of the movie and, and having some fun with that. But we didn't realize that it would kind of resonate in that nice parallel path with, with Logan. So we actually ended up adding that voiceover at the beginning oh, okay. later on, uh, which is, yeah, the, the, and the Wolverine. And the toy, the, uh, the Logan toy? Yeah, that was a rush job um, because we shot, obviously the movie, Logan came out while we were in production. Okay. So we did a quick rush job to see if I could get a music box that... Um, that would look like Logan dying um, and play, you know, air supplies. I'm all out of love. Um, or if they could change the lyrics to I'm all out of blood would have been great. But uh, um, yeah, it was pretty, it was a remarkable uh, uh, effort by our props department for that. You know, I still have it, the little music box. It makes me laugh every time I turn it on. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, I'm ignoring that as well, by the way. Yeah, I would too. It's probably yeah. my mom. It probably is. I don't know how she phone. got my number, but... I, well, I do. She's I'm single, not... by the way, Chris. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, now I'm yeah, interested. This, is, this could be it. Wouldn't be weird if I became a, came out as your dad-in-law. That'd, that'd Just, be so... I, from the moment I met you, I wanted to call you dad. That'd be so weird. Yeah, that'd be so weird. But also so right. Yeah, so yeah. right, right? But yeah, I know. It feels good. Oh, God. Uh, anyway. So, there's, like I say, there's a lot of death in the beginning of the movie... Uh, it, it surprised me. It did surprise me when you killed Vanessa. Yeah. Um, can you talk about where that came from? And and as writers, were you and Paul and Red wary of uh, a backlash in a way to killing off? Vanessa? Oh, big time! You know, it was a really tough decision because we love that character and we love her. And, and of course, in the end, inevitably, obviously, spoiler alert, she's she, we we save her. But but uh, um, we were really worried about that. And you know, it, it felt like. In order for Deadpool to kind of function as Deadpool, you need to put him in a in a position in which he's not just the underdog, but that he he's really lost everything. I mean, the character is so outrageous and so obnoxious and so crazy that you know if he just kind of had everything and everything sort of was in a good place in his life, you can't really turn up the fun. Mm. You know, so the more pain Deadpool's in, the funnier Deadpool can be, or the sort of more ridiculous Deadpool can be, or outlandish. So, so we really only had the one thing to take. Yeah. And that was Vanessa. So yeah. it was something we agonized over forever, man. We, we, at one point we, you know, Wade and Vanessa were going to have a baby and, you know, that was going to be sort of seeding the tragedy that happens. And, you know, that was just too much. So that was like, we were a page and a half into that version. We were like, nope, no, 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 no. That's, not, that's, that's not, let's not do that. Uh, so yeah, Vanessa was kind of, unfortunately, the, the, the only kind of catalyst we had to propel um, Deadpool into the yeah. depths of despair, uh, which is where you know he Deadpool processes pain through the prism of humor. So you need him to be in as much pain as possible for him to kind of have the adventure that we need mm. to have. So, so yeah, but it was definitely something we went back and forth on. And boy, did we we have had disagreements at different times and yeah, polite yeah, yeah. disagreements because yeah. Rhett, Paul, and I are all like brothers. But we all sort of we, you know we all in the end just sort of felt like it was the best yeah. and only way to go. Because to, uh, tonally, it's a it's a it's a left turn. In the film, big time as well, yeah. and you go straight into that Bondian credit sequence with that, yeah. that Celine Dion track now, of course, and yeah. uh, and even the credits yeah. acknowledge it. Like, holy shit! Did, yeah, what did, the fuck yeah. did you guys just do? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's um, it is a left turn, and it is un- unexpected, and it is sort of intense, you know, and and yeah, we just kind of felt like this is a movie that can do that. I don't, you know, we never want to shy away from the emotion and that's always the bedrock of the movie. And, you know, um, and that's something that I think people can relate to pain of 
losing somebody and you know we just felt like that was a, a pretty strong place to 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 have our character begin his adventure so because one of the things about deadpool as well is that uh, as writers this must be a problem for you guys he is largely emotionally invulnerable but he's also yeah. physically invulnerable as well. So can you talk about the challenge? I mean, there's a little bit of an echo of Superman 2 and Spider-Man 2 in that he is depowered for a lot of the movie. Yeah. And that he almost wants to walk away from what he is yeah. Yeah. in the movie as well. Uh, is that a challenge for you guys coming up with ways he can be hurt physically yeah. and emotionally? I mean, it definitely is. And I think that's so also sort of speaks to like, you know, if we're in the position in which we're going to have the opportunity to make more movies in the future featuring Deadpool that he's in a group or a team and that's why the X-Force idea is sort of is out there and that's why we want to make that movie because you know again you have to take everything away from him in order for him to yeah. function so you want to you know you depowering him or giving him some kind of vulnerability is important because and I think that's the same dilemma that a lot of superheroes have faced you know the difference with Deadpool as opposed to Superman is Superman's virtuous in a sense and you know Deadpool's just this morally flexible asswipe you know so so you know a lot of that vulnerability for Deadpool is emotional as opposed to physical yeah um you know and and the emotional pain I think keep that sort of state that he's in is, 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 is his vulnerability is mm. sort of what makes him malleable and relatable and all of those things. So, um, you know, that's, that's always why I've been attracted to Deadpool is that yeah. he's, he's, you know, ostensibly just like a, you know, a kind of a, 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 a shit heel blubber mouth. Who's like, you know, also kind of like a, got a good heart, you know, yeah. he doesn't represent the, you know, 2018 woke male of the year. He represents, <laughs> he represents a, you know, a, a dysfunctional douchebag who wants to be a little bit better than he was yesterday. And yeah. I find that more interesting than, yeah. you know, somebody who's just possessed of virtue. And, uh, one of the things that's interesting about the film as well, uh, my reading of it anyway, is that there isn't really a bad guy for, for Wade to fight. Obviously, there's Juggernaut, and we'll talk about him in a second. And, yeah. and Russell is conflicted mm. as well, but not evil as he could have been. Yeah. Uh, and in a way, Ray Wade almost becomes the conclusion that he's the bad guy. He's the reason why he's feeling the way he is, and he's, yeah. he's the thing he needs to overcome. He's yeah. the bad guy he needs to overcome in a way. Yeah, Wade needs to be selfless. Deadpool has to find some way to actually be selfless. And, and you know, I like that it touches on that idea that one act of kindness can possibly change the world, and um, or at least change this group of people's world. And, mm. and um, yeah, so inevitably Deadpool sort of makes good on the prophecy that he makes early on in the movie. Well, fuck you, Wolverine. I'm dying in this one too. And I'm going to do it to your music, motherfucker. <laughs> um, so, you know, but yeah, he puts himself in a position of, of, you know, of utter selflessness. And I think that that is important. You know, that's sort of what his, the culmination of his journey. And that's, yeah. And it is interesting. We thought it was f- you know, unique to have a movie that doesn't have this sort of mustache twirling villain, Mm. you know, it has a couple of different things that represent massive opposition to Deadpool. One being Cable in the first two acts of the movie. And then of course, after that, it's, it's Deadpool himself that he needs to overcome. Absolutely. And, uh, you don't go near Cable's, how should we say, tangled backstory. Fuck me. Have you ever read, you ever gone through some of that? I mean, just, just give yourself a little Wikipedia there of cable right now and you, you'll see what we were looking yeah. at. Yeah. I started printing it out before I came here and the, the, the oh, ran out of paper, so I, I couldn't do it. mind boggling. It's just Huge. utterly mind boggling. Yeah. We didn't, um, we took a, you know, a cable that we felt was sort of the simplest, most accessible version of him and, and, uh, pumped him, pumped him right into Josh Brolin. And that's, uh, that was kind of, that was kind of the best case scenario for us. And I love Cable. I love I love aspects of so many of his stories, but you really have to cherry pick which ones you've, you've yeah. used for the film. And there's other films 
other films. Yeah, there's other places. Other things to In fact, the Deadpool 2 is an introduction to Cable. We don't really know that much about him. You know, yeah. there's the idea that he's actually a dead man walking. I mean, he's got yeah. this virus and it's killing him slowly. And there's something, you know, there's something in the future for him to play that sort of Doc Holiday tombstone kind of version of a guy who's really got nothing to lose. And, hmm. you know, I like that he makes this decision to stick around and maybe yeah. clean the shit up a bit. And yeah. See if he can fix a few things before you know leaving again. So. I was going to ask where that where that came from. Was there an iteration of the film where he went back at the end, or did you always have him on the board? Um, no, we always wanted we always wanted the the two. I mean, Deadpool and Cable in the movie have this sort of pleasing symmetry that they discover, which is that they both have similar backstories. They both mm. had suffered great loss, and they both have an objective that you know they're they're shiftless on. Mm. And in the end, they both make this grand sacrifice. And mm-hmm. that's that's Cable's grand sacrifice is to yeah, yeah, yeah. is to bring use his last jump to bring Deadpool back and you know the 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 we we felt like he needed something much more than just for Deadpool like he wouldn't just do this for Deadpool he would do this because earlier on we seed this idea that fifty years from now you know this generation has fucked this Earth into a coma and you know. Deadpool has one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is he just goes, ah, planets. And I just love it because that's sort of, that to me is in a nutshell, Deadpool. He doesn't care about saving the world. He cares about some little thing that, you know, yeah, is yeah. important to him. Yeah. So um, it was twofold. Yeah. So he's do, making the sacrifice cable. It's not really totally clear if the sacrifice is for Deadpool or if it's for the yeah, greater yeah, good yeah. of humanity. Yeah. Uh, but I like the idea that future adventures with Deadpool and cable, you have a character who represents the adult being cable and Deadpool who represents the immature child and cable. Cable has an agenda that is actually quite magnanimous and important, whereas mm. Deadpool's agenda, you know, is 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 probably you know masturbating to the Weather Channel. So I was going to say right up until you said that that they are the Jack Walsh and the Duke of superhero movies. So yes. It feels it feels like that, but I don't imagine Charles Grodin masturbating to the Weather Channel. How, I don't. The day is young. <laughs> Charles Grodin is still very virile. So. Mentioned Juggernaut. I love yeah. Juggernaut. Deadpool says Juggernaut is his favorite character. Now, is he speaking for you, or are you speaking for him? Where do you, um, where do you stand on, on Juggernaut? Uh, well, we all love Jug- Juggernaut because nothing can stop the Juggernaut. I just like mm-hmm. this, this idea that there's just this creature out there that is, you know, just fuck off crazy and will do anything for whatever he, for whatever reason he chooses in that moment. <laughs> and, uh, so we all love the Juggernaut, and that was kind of we were all fans of the Juggernaut, and yeah. and uh, that's where all that stuff comes from. Deadpool's just a huge fan, and I love the idea that he's like, <laughs> but never meet your heroes. <laughs> Because it turns out he's a bit of a dick. And he will rip you in half. And like a lot of dicks, he's as hard as a rock and causes nothing but problems. <laughs> um, so I, I do like, yeah, I love, we love the juggernaut. We love that he's even at the end, he's still like crawling out of that pool at the very end of the movie and, you know, hopefully going to go wreak more havoc. But uh, yeah. yeah, so the juggernaut was someone, and again, you know, these movies are, are you know, Deadpool 2 is shot for much less money than, a, you know, most superheroes would be shot, most superhero movies would be shot for. So, as was as with every movie, you want to finish on budget and on time, which we did, but barely. So like we couldn't even afford a voice for Juggernaut. The voice for Juggernaut's me. Oh shit, really? Yeah, it's just I just did it as a kind of a temp, as this sort of like Brooklyn brawler kind of voice that we <laughs> modulated in post and kind of cranked up and gave it all this bass and reverberation. And um, in the end, we didn't we didn't settle on that just because it was it was quality. We settled on that because we just didn't have any more budget left for. <laughs> For other actors to jump wow. in, yeah. how much did Brad Pitt's latte cost? I mean, that uh, thing it must was have a been very expensive latte. Uh, it was actually mixed with Peruvian panda tears, <laughs> which were very hard to come by. Milking those out of a panda is very difficult, so. but fun. Yeah, uh, I had written down. Ask who does Juggernaut's voice? 
Yeah. Look at that, you're way ahead of me. So, I know. I'm just, way it's ahead so of me. disappointing when it's you find out it's me. Oh, well. but, no, it's good. Uh, yeah. It's good. Yeah, I think, I think he's credited him. at the end is as himself. It is, yeah. And so, you know, talking of the X Men timelines, you know, and there's no no more Vinnie Jones. He's gone. No uh, more. No, yeah. Vinnie Jones is gone. We went with the we went with the full computerized version. <laughs> yeah, sadly. <laughs> um, no okay. disrespect to Vinnie Jones. No disrespect at all, because no, that man is built like a brick shit house. Pummel us into a fine curd cottage cheese like ass pudding. <laughs> Which we do not want. <laughs> we do not want. Uh, right, I'll just do some quick fire stuff with you now. Great. Because we're being wrapped up. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, the uh, X-Men cameo. Can you talk us through how that happened? Yeah, X-Men cameo was just, it was always in the script. It's just this idea that they're, you know, over his shoulder, we're actually getting all these X-Men that are sitting in there. And it was really just an availability thing. What, we were just lucky enough that um, the X-Men Dark Phoenix film happened mm-hmm. to be shooting in Montreal. So they grabbed a plate of just the cast. Uh, which and the, the cast, uh, by the way, incredibly generous of them to do that because yeah. that's a that's kind of like a freebie for us and you know and they had to probably get in a lot of makeup and different stuff to to make that shot happen for us so um, it was incredibly kind of them uh, but uh, yeah it was just a something we wanted to include just as a sort of a callback to Deadpool one. <laughs> I did think that actually whenever I saw the, the shot, I was thinking that's Nick Holt in full yeah. beast makeup, hundred yeah. percent. And if he did that just for this, I, I like to think that he'd been shooting something else that day. It nah. sort of it makes me sleep at night. But yeah, nah. he sleeps in the makeup. Yeah, oh, I, I would too. That's what he does. Um, I've always wanted to see Black Tom Cassidy for reason because he's an Irish guy and. Yep. I just want that sort of, yeah, I just want to see an Irish superhero, or supervillain, rather. Supervillain, yeah. And then uh, you use him for a brilliant running gag all the way through the film. Now, where does Black Tom Cassidy come from? Black Tom was just in the movie as yeah. a supervillain who has incredible powers and all sorts of stuff. It was the fucking studio that said, you, you, that's, you guys are over budget. You can't afford this whole... So his whole storyline got trimmed way back. And Jack Cassie, who played him who's such a sport, oh, you know, wow. stayed on in the role. I, I called Jack and I was like, Jack, I hate to tell you this, man, that, you know, we're cutting oh, out no, most of Black Tom. And this is before we shot. Yeah. So, you know, I said to him, if you want to play the role still, it's like three or four days and, you know, work. Obviously, if you want to duck out, I totally understand. And he was like, no, no, I'm, I'm in. He was so sweet to do it because he's an amazing actor. And uh, yeah, so Black Tom cast it. But we did end up using his name for kind of a running joke in the movie where Deadpool sort of falsely accuses Cable of being <laughs> racist. And, you know, yeah, we, we sort of thought that was somewhat ridiculous. Yeah, so it why works. Not? So just very, very quickly, the Martha gag. Are you ready for the wrath of DC fans? Because let me tell you from experience, they don't like that joke. No, they don't. I'm they sure really they don't. don't. Yeah, the Martha gag. I don't, you know, I don't know. It's a perfectly Deadpool moment. I think Deadpool's, you know... I think he's willing to uh, uh, break a few eggs to make that omelet. So, yeah, <laughs> I guess, you know, by the time they're listening to this, I'm probably already dead. <laughs> oh, what can you say? Such a shame. Ryan Reynolds. I didn't R. write R. that joke. That's what I'll, I'll say that one. That's oh, one yeah. joke I did. Oh, write. yeah. Try and backtrack now. Yeah, Vehicle exactly. reversing. No, it's not going to work. I wrote it and I love it. I spotted the Christopher Plummer gag oh, uh, on the uh, on the news screen. Yeah. Uh, did he turn down a role in Deadpool 2? Did you try and go full meta and have um, him show up halfway We through? did not. We were way into post by that point. Uh, we just thought we'd just throw it up there on the on the crawl and, you know, All right. see what happens. I'm, not, I'm surprised anyone ever saw it. I saw it. I'm eagle-eyed. You're an eagle-eyed. Eagle-eyed. Eagle-eyed Chris Hewitt. Name. Has anyone told you you looked like Ryan Reynolds, by the way? I've been told Gosling. I've been told O'Neill, but never Reynolds. Oh, yeah. Very last thing. The uh, Juggernaut rips Deadpool in half. Deadpool goes back his lower half of the body. He gives us a basic instinct moment. Yes. Whose tiny penis is that? Because I don't remember giving you permission to use it. No. 
<laughs> Very nice. Uh, that tiny penis was invented in a computer. I, uh, I, <laughs> you know, but it was it was my rationale because you know the America we have the MPAA right. So yeah. I, I was thinking, oh god, they're going to come down on us because we're showing, you know, this baby penis at some point, which I don't think you could do. But then my thought was, well, hold on a second, that's not a baby penis. That's that's Wade's penis. Yeah, Wade is a yeah. grown ass adult yeah. who just happens to have tiny legs and a little tiny penis. Small. Happens. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly, right? Life goes on. Life goes on. So there you go. It's in, it's in the computer. We've there you go. manufactured Chris's penis and put it on to Deadpool 2. I'm so sorry. So what's my excuse in real life? Yeah. I don't oh know. God. Anyway. I just got Braille down there. It's just this tiny <laughs> little short story, like a little, like a little haiku, you know. But I've had two children, so I it, guess I've fulfilled the genetic paradigm. It works. It's fine. Yeah. It's all good. And on that bombshell. Ryan Reynolds, yeah. it's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank how you, did you Chris. find how did you find supporter therapy? I love it. Yeah. I feel like I like a burden has been lifted. Thank you. <laughs> Thank Fantastic. You Go, run free, run free. Okay, so that was Ryan Reynolds. And now let us talk about Deadpool 2. Where do we stand in this film? Helen, James, you're both in the We Like It a Lot camp. Is as good as the first film, not as good as the first film? Where, where, where are you? I'm very much on the as good in a different way, I think, roughly. Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. I didn't. I didn't think it was as good as the first film, but actually, I think you're right. It is. It's better in some ways. It's better constructed. It has some good ideas. I don't think it's as, shall we say, inventively embracing of its R rating as the first one was, because um, I enjoyed the creative swearing a great deal more, uh, and also felt fresh. I think because it was different. And yeah. It was this. This it felt a little expected. Um, well, I, I mean, even the even the tagline about you know you. Never forget your second time. Yeah, you know the deep way you. Yeah, you yeah, do. So. yeah. Oh, yeah, I re- I really enjoyed it. I think I didn't because I was sandwiched between yourself and Chris, not in a sexy way, but uh, when we were watching the film, Steady much on. as I was when we saw the original Deadpool, and in the same way, I had the two of you <laughs> howling with mirth all the way through, and me, enemy of fun and comedy, sat there kind of stony faced and just sort of went, yes. This is amusing. We are basically your helper dogs. Yeah. We show you when a human being would laugh. <laughs> mm, I'm like, see. yes, there is comedy. Which, I find this very funny. Which for me, given that this movie is puerile and juvenile, <laughs> oh my God. was pretty much right from the off for me. Yeah. Uh, even if the first 20 minutes or so is slow to get going. But before we get yes. into that, Nick DeSemlian's presence in this booth is interesting to me because you're not quite on the same page as the three of us, are you? Not particularly. I, I did think this film was better than the first one, but in the way that one pencil is better than another pencil, in that there is ultimately they're just pencils, and it's not really something to get that excited. And you write about. with pens. Is this what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Nick's a sophisticate. He is, and he does the crossword in pen, so you know he's good. Yeah, that was a very good simile I just used. Um, the pencil thing. It was. Well, very it was good. a metaphor, yeah. but sure. Okay. <laughs> Wasn't the sharpest. Uh, hey. But I, yeah, what I'm trying to say is that I don't love these films. Okay. And I, I think I think that this one. Uh, and he's not sure what he's doing here. And, and <laughs> I, yeah, I'm never sure what I'm doing here. But um, yeah, I, I think I think there were better jokes in here. There were there were some stuff that really made me laugh. Uh, I don't think I'm ever going to watch it again. I saw the first one once, and I feel like that was enough. I think what it comes down to is I don't love this character. I find him quite grating. You get enough of loudmouth cretins. I sit near you in the office, <laughs> yeah. so I'm done in that respect. But. Yeah. Okay. But there is some very funny stuff in this. Should we start with a sequence that uh, continues to make me laugh? As I, uh, as I said when I brown-nosed Ryan Reynolds in the interview there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Which is the... Uh, fuck it, this is more of the special. We can start what we like. Uh, let's start with the, the death of X-Force. <laughs> the tragic death yes. of X-Force. Uh, which for me is hands down the funniest sequence I've seen in the major movie for a long, long time. And is just 
it's just brilliant. And the second you begin to know where it's going, the laughs just build and build and build. And here's here's how good that sequence is. It's so funny that they kill Peter and you don't really mind. <laughs> it it is. I mean, I'm I wasn't a hundred percent as on board with that sequence just because, you know, you will kill Terry Crews and yeah. I, I'm going to have a problem with that. Like that's not that's not okay. I, yeah. Even in jest, that's not okay. I, I, I have really mixed feelings. I think it is very funny. That it is probably the funniest sequence in the film, apart from the post-credit stuff. But it's, at the same time, you want to see more of those. You definitely want to see more of Terry Crews. You yeah. want to see more of Peter. I wish they had killed off everyone but Peter and just had Deadpool and Peter. Mm. That would have been funny. I know what but, you mean. It was a really funny sequence, but I thought, I was like, oh, so we're done with the team now. Like, I really wanted to see where that was going. Mm. That's what I loved about it, the fact that conceptually... And, you know, as Ryan Reynolds said in the interview, that X-Force, this movie, was really just an idea they came up with quite late in the day because they needed to bridge from the fight with Cable in the icebox to the convoy with Cable, and they didn't really know how to do that. And so they thought, oh, let's do X-Force. And the idea of killing him off is just, you know, it's not a new idea. Mm. Uh, One of my favourite gags in in MacGruber is when he's walking towards his team in the van and they all get killed, (laughs) and and it's just really funny. And it has been done in the X-Men a bit. Yeah, actually, it has a, a long history. Um, uh, the, the when they put together the new X Men team, which introduced mo- most of the current lineup. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they immediately killed. Oh, I can't Thunderbird? remember that. But it's Thunderbird. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yes, 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 yes. And um, uh, uh, Thunderbird. Yeah. There's a running joke of another X Men character you called. Mean- is it cricket? He's got cricket legs or something. All new, all si- all giant size. Yeah, yeah, X-Men, giant size X Men. Yeah, yeah, that back. At the, but a lot the- of X Force are quite um, in, are quite expendable yes. as well. Yes, but there's there's been a couple of characters like that is what I mean in the X-Men universe. So yeah. there's another guy with, I think, robotic cricket legs and there's been like three different incarnations and all of them have died in the issue in which they were introduced. <laughs> all of them, which I enjoy. But I, I just thought it was a really fun idea, especially since so much of the marketing in this movie was built around the idea of X-Force. And, and then suddenly they're introduced in the film, very, very funny, and then they're bumped off. <laughs> and we'll get another X-Force down the line and those guys will know what they're doing. <laughs> and it's fun. But what I also like, this movie has a very interesting attitude towards deaths of characters and Wade Wilson's utterly flippant, oh well, attitude <laughs> towards the death of these people is in complete Apart contrast from Peter. to... Apart, Apart from, from Peter. Peter. Even yeah. then, he, couldn't, he can't remember what his name is. He's like, oh, Paul's dead. Oh, oh no, Peter. Oh, was that his name? Yeah, Peter. And only at the end does he does he get him back. And we, this didn't come up with Ryan Reynolds, but I do wonder if Peter's sudden resurrection was a result of the love for Peter, the outpoint of love for Peter that was based entirely on the on that on last trailer. Yeah. I encourage everyone to go on Twitter and look up um, Peter's Twitter account. The I'm sure Rob Delaney has created it. He obviously plays Peter, but. And is a very funny man, but it's genius. I went down uh, the rabbit hole and was on that Twitter going right back to the yeah. beginning. And it start, he started it, it before months. the trailer came out. Mm. So it's, um, it's awesome. It's hilarious. He's very into bees. He also, well, he turned up at the premiere uh, in London. Or not premiere, but like it was a fan screening and all of the cast turned up. And then he was in the audience and was called down by, it was like Ryan Reynolds was sort of squinting at the crowd going, Peter, is that you? <laughs> and he came down and gave them all a pot of honey each. Rob Delaney yeah, appeared in character. In character. That's amazing. As, as Peter, Peter. And then took over the mic and took over essentially the whole screening <laughs> um, for about five five minutes. Um, so, yeah. So that was fun. He's um, a glorious creation. And if is. you go on the, on the Twitter account and just look at who he's following, even that is funny. Um, it's a work of art. All right. Maybe we'll do it. Uh, as you guys bore me, I will, I will go on to Twitter. <laughs> 
and check out uh, Rob Delaney's account. No, of course you won't bore me. It'll be brilliant. Uh, yeah, I loved I loved Peter, but I also thought I don't know because whenever I first saw him in the trailer. I was like, oh, in fact, I even said, you know, using that old Daryl from The Walking Dead hashtag, if, if they kill Peter, we riot. But mm. I did get a feeling that he wouldn't be long for this world, given that he is just a bloke with a, with a moustache. That's all he it's has. It's a really good moustache. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because I remember I interviewed the, the writers for this, uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick for the magazine. And I asked him, was he Peter Wisdom? You know, that character in the, in the comic books. Because the, the first image of him in the in second trailer was him looking really cool. That catfish photograph, looking really cool and lean and ripped and chiseled. And I thought he was going to be like a badass liaison to X-Force, uh, some sort of government guy. But no, he's just Peter. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> Uh, and I love that he um, he tries to he tries to save Sidegeist, but I don't think Peter and, uh, is a guy who connects well with Sidegeist somehow. So yeah, I hope he goes. turns up in, in Avengers Four. <laughs> only Peter can uh, can stop save Thanos. The world. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to say something, but to ask this question would be a spoiler for Avengers. So do you want to do you want to skip ahead if you haven't okay, seen Avengers? We're, we're gonna have, okay, yeah, this is a, a spoiler. This is an Avengers Infinity War spoiler special within a spoiler very, special. Very small. I'll, I'll try to be quick. Okay. It's just, but I think there's a contrast to be made here. Okay. And and do you think that there's an element of sort of catharsis in seeing the death of a bunch of superheroes played for laughs right after you've just watched Infinity War within a couple of weeks? Uh, yeah. Well, it's yeah, quite possibly. I mean, it's not been a good time to be a guy called Peter in a superhero it film. It really hasn't. No, that is that I is mean, three for three. Three for three turned into dust, vomited on by, you know, Pennywise and <laughs> and that's it. You're done. Until you come back at the very, very end. Exactly. Um and of course I really like the fact that they they threw away the Brad Pitt cameo. Yeah. As well. That was really fun. Talk to us about cameos, Chris. Okay. All right. So we talk about the, the uh, Dickie Greenleaf thing. Let's, let's, let's talk about Dickie Greenleaf. Have you found definitive confirmation? Of this? No, I haven't found okay. definitive confirmation. I have asked a source and that source obfuscated somewhat. <sighs> Really? Yes. If it wasn't true, they'd have shut it down, surely. Well, yeah. This is a tricky one. I can't really... Anyway. <laughs> All right. So I was watching it for the second time, and obviously the Brad Pitt cameo is fairly out there. Mm-hmm. One of the cameos were in the film. It was the Alan X-Men. Tudyk, I guess. Yeah. yeah, Alan Tudyk, I guess, is a cameo. Kind of a cameo, yeah, isn't he? Alan Tudyk is the perfect person to be in that scene. Because yeah. you're watching that scene, and you're... And you're are, thinking... are we boring you, James? <laughs> is it because you're... <laughs> you're all right. I mean, I don't want to teach you microphone etiquette six years into the podcast's life, but yawning on microphone, what the fuck? <laughs> he hasn't done a fill and start. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just scratching his beard. Scratching his beard again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you okay? Are, are, we, are we interrupting your, your yawning session? Are you all right? I believe I'm fine. <laughs> Alan Tudyk is the perfect sleeper cameo for that sequence because you're watching it going, is that Alan Tudyk? Mm. Is that Alan Tudyk? And is this then, a throwback to Tucker and Dale versus Evil? I thought it was. Go- I thought the other guy was going to be the other guy. Yeah, whoever the other guy is from that film, and uh, and then you're watching the credits. And you go, "Hey, was Alan Tudyk? Why did they get Alan Tudyk to do one line and they don't even see his face to wow. distract you from Dickie Greenleaf? To distract you from Dickie Greenleaf? <laughs> I know Dickie when I see him. So, uh, so the other redneck guy who has the big monologue is credited as Dickie Greenleaf. Now, here's the thing. There is no actor under that name, <gasps> Dickie Greenleaf. But there is. Well, okay. So, Dickie Greenleaf <laughs> is a character in The Talented Mr. Ripley. Yes. He is played in the Anthony Magella version by Jude Law. Yep. But I have suspicions that, well, it's either Jude Law under there, under Mountains of Prosthetics, 
right? Yeah, doing a voice we've never heard him do before. I think it's Matt Damon. Well, that would be thematically consistent, though, with the talent of Mr. Ripley, wasn't it? Because he wanted to take over Dickie's life. And now he has, all these years later. So, mm-hmm. so we think that, that, that Ryan Reynolds and everyone, they were not aware that was Matt Damon. They thought this guy, <laughs> this young actor, struggling actor called Dickie Greenleaf. And we yeah. are blowing this wide open. He just yeah. saw this on LinkedIn. You yeah. know, he went he in saw for an audition. Yeah. He saw the ad. And he has no superpowers of acting yeah. or stardom. Matt Damon. Yeah. But they just I saw him. someone on Twitter claiming that this was Ryan Reynolds doing a, a, a second role. But no, no, no. Okay. Sense. Because as, you, as people will know, but then again, they, if, they, if for some reason you've skipped the Ryan Reynolds interview, then... Now it is time for me to reveal that Ryan Reynolds does cameo in the film as, as well, but as the voice of Juggernaut. Uh, but, he, you know, I don't know if that's him. But at the same time, it's a kind of a Deadpoolian thing to do, to have the star of the film cameo in his own film, but under layers of prosthetics. That would be really weird. But I think mm. the Dickie Greenleaf thing is, is it's a red flag. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a clue, man. It's a clue. It could be Gwyneth Paltrow, and the reason she isn't credited, right, is because it would be a breach of her Marvel contract. It would be a breach of her Marvel contract. That's it. Gwyneth Paltrow is Dickie Greenleaf. <laughs> I think it's Matt Damon. There is a reason I think it's Matt Damon that I cannot reveal <laughs> in public. But I, I, I have reason to suspect it's Matt Damon. My deep throat, my Deadpool deep throat. No. My di- that, no, what? definitely not. Please don't deep throat Deadpool. Your, ca- your cable. But yeah, okay. My, de- you're, you're... my Deadpool deep throat took out his cable. No. All right. And what? What's wrong with that? And his Dickie Greenleaf. Yeah, his Dickie and, Greenleaf. And really gave me some good X-Force. And I, but I, I don't know. He, he wouldn't confirm or deny. I need to pick him up by the, by the ankles and shake him upside down to, to you know, extract all that information. No? No. Okay. Anyway, I think it's Matt Damon. Okay. Which would make it his second superhero superhero cameo. Indeed. In, within 12 months. Within, well, in eight months. Well, okay, but, yeah. you know. About, you, uh, up to Thor Ragnarok. Indeed. Yeah. So, you know, clearly he's... Oh, something. we're spoiling that now as well, are we? So this is a Thor Ragnarok spoiler <laughs> special as well. And uh, so he appears as Loki in the play that Loki, who is, uh, pretended to be Odin, uh, watches at the beginning of Thor Ragnarok before Thor comes back to Asgard and sets him off on a path which leads him to Earth where they meet Odin who then dies and then brings Hela back and Hela then storms Asgard and then vanishes Thor Chris, and Loki to Chris, Sakaar. back to the light. Yeah, back to, to the, the light. light. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, we lost you there. Uh, sorry. We're losing you. For a second there, oh God. Uh, and uh, should we talk about other cameos? While no. We're, no? Okay. Yeah, of course. Go, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, uh, in the X-Mansion there is yes. a genius sight gag yes. where um, you glimpse the actual X-Men. The cast um, of uh, Dark Phoenix. The cast of Dark Phoenix um, doing their thing and then they close the door and that is very funny, mm, I yeah. think. It is. So as far as I could tell, who, do you see who it was? It's McAvoy. McAvoy. Holt. Um, yeah. Ty Sheridan. Yeah. I think Sophie Turner's in yeah, there. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, I think Alexandra Ship as Storm is in there, but she has uh, uh, longer white hair these days mm-hmm. than she did in uh, Apocalypse. Uh, who else? Uh, Cody Smith-McPhee as Nightcrawler was in there. And I th- think... I think that's it. That's all I spotted, anyway. That was, that was a good... That, 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 was, that was a very fun gag. And, of course, uh, answers Deadpool's question about which Professor X... <laughs> Stuart or McAvoy, <laughs> which uh, he asked in the, first, in the first film, so this is this kind of cleared that one up. Yeah. I mean, Although the timeline is even worse now. Don't we, get me started. I mean, should we even try to untangle the timeline <laughs> of the X-Men no. universe? Because the Deadpool movies really just fuck it up, don't they? Even you know, At the end of the movie, he's gone back and he's trying to, you know, un, you know, he's trying to clean up the timelines. But no. he's kind of making no. it worse in, yeah, a, no. in a weird way. But yeah, so it's, a, it's James McAvoy in this universe... 
but it will be Patrick Stewart at some point. But Ryan Reynolds, but Wade Wilson is aware of Patrick Stewart playing Professor X, <laughs> yep. which is why he said this stinks, Cerebro stinks of Patrick Stewart. And so the X-Men movies exist in this world. This is this was my theory in the first movie, that the X-Men movies exist in this world. This is our world. I think he's pan-dimensional. But, yeah, he's pan-dimensional, mm-hmm. like Cliff Richard. Um... All right, so we're going to take a couple of questions now from uh, listeners who sent them into my DMs, um, but actually, weirdly, not that many. And well, I then, I, but I kind of feel that this isn't the sort of movie in which people get entangled in plot shenanigans. It's not plot heavy, is it? it well, this is the weird thing about this film. It is plot heavy, but you, and it does have yeah. a lot of stuff that happens. A lot of heavy emotional lifting happens in this movie. But I'm also of the mind that I don't really need that for my Deadpool movies. It's plot heavy, but the plot is chaotic. Yeah. And the character is chaotic, so it doesn't entirely matter. The main plot development, though, that kicks us off is the fridging sequence, isn't it? Well, James, it is almost as if you have read my mind and indeed Eamon Warman's question. At A. Warman on Twitter, did Vanessa's fridging and unfridging annoy you as much as it did me? And in fairness, a a few people have sent in that question as well. Now, I didn't use the word fridging when I described this, to, when I said this to, to Ryan Reynolds, but certainly we, you know, we did talk about the, the thought processes that went through their minds and you know, before they did it. And But the, the word fridging is interesting because I, I, I Googled this. Helen, you'd be proud of me. I Googled I this. Uh, fridging is actually named after an act that happened that originated in a Green Lantern comic. Yes. So it's all coming full circle. Yeah. All coming full circle. <laughs> Helen explained so it involved, all this to me. Involved a fridge. It did literally mm. involve a fridge. Um, one of the Green Lanterns came home to find his girlfriend's dead body stuffed in his fridge. Oh, come on. It's a disappointing uh, plot turn in this film, I think. Yeah, it's disappointing because it is vastly, vastly overused mm. in, in comics, but not just in comics, in, in the wider world. So uh, for those of you who missed the, the weekly episode where we talked about this, fridging actually has a very specific meaning as originally formulated by Gail Simone, the writer who talked about it, which was not just the killing of female characters to, or, or gay characters, actually, it happens a lot to them as well. Or, or fridges. Not, not so much, Chris, no. No? Um, I didn't go But it was the killing, it's the killing of these characters to give a straight white male hero, usually white, uh, male hero, the, a reason to feel something. Because they're so tough that they, mm. you know, there's no trauma that can possibly hurt them except it happening to another person. And the, the problem with this device, um, and, and as originally sort of written, this was uh, a, not just a problem of killing them off to give a, a man a reason to feel, but also bringing them back depowered. Whereas if a male character like Robin was killed off, he always comes back stronger. He comes back with some mystical new ability and that never ever seemed to happen to the other characters. So what you're saying is you need an instant to land the hero in the sit. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, whenever... The, well, whenever you really the... smagged that up. Oh. <laughs> Damn it! It's just fridge humour. It is. Humor. It's cool. fridge humour. Oh, it's they come have, to this. They have dared to frigidaire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me freeze the... Oh, I don't oh. know. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've what we've the... left you with Sanusi. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> nothing to do with that. Maybe a whirlpool. I've got uh, nothing. The, the issue I've kind of got with it is that, that Deadpool is obviously this, this very... Um, yes. He's He's always very meta and yep. he's referencing stuff and making fun of stuff as it goes and... It was like with the Vinnie Jones juggernaut joke. It seemed like there's such an obvious thing for him to comment on, and he doesn't comment on it. He doesn't comment on Vinnie Jones either, which was my point. Is that he was should a surprise, have, actually. I agree, you know, yeah. We have a truly um, awful but, juggernaut already. But no, I, I agree. I think the 
right. The problem in this specific instance, there's twofold problem. You're mm. right. So the first problem is just that this is an overworked trope that is just so tiresome and so belittling of your female characters. If you've gone to the, the trouble of giving this woman a, a, a character and a personality, which I think they did in the mm-hmm. first film, then killing her off for what seems like a really cheap emotional beat is irritating. And And actually, it's almost worse you're right it is almost worse that they bring her back in the way that they do literally more than halfway through the credits when half of the audience will have left so she turns up in a deadpool 3 half the audience are going to be like what the fuck man she was dead they're genuinely that is a that is a genuine storytelling problem that they have for deadpool 3 i think Mm. Uh, if if there is one and let's be honest there is going to be one so storytelling-wise, it's, it's, it's not great. It's tired, it's boring. Second of all, the problem is, as you say, like Deadpool is not meant to be a guy who is serious about stuff and it is weird for him to be carrying this giant, giant weight through those first... And I think that's why the first 20 minutes of the yeah. film just are like, oh. Yeah. Tonally, it's all heavy. over the place. Mm, yeah. Because you're not sure whether you should be depressed or laughing. It doesn't quite suit the tone of the film at all. Um, and uh, frankly, it bummed me out massively. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a really strange one. Uh, going because even I couldn't even enjoy the the Bondian title sequence as much as they clearly want you to yeah. um, with the Celine Dion song and which the, is amazing. Holy it shit! It is amazing. Did, yeah, it did you just amazing. kill her? You know all that sort of stuff. Because I thought they were going to either walk it back very quickly within the mm. the confines of the the main movie, or we were going to have Wade commenting on it. I mean, he calls out lazy writing two or three times throughout the film. I thought he would do that yeah, and they would have some 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 fun, if it's possible, yeah. with the idea that they fridged Vanessa. But no, they didn't. Now, of course, this is the second time. This is the, the third movie directed by David Leach. John Wick does pretty much the same thing, uh, although that, that you know, Bridget Moynihan's character is dead before the movie even begins. Yeah, he gets, In between, he's made it's Atomic the dog. Blonde. <laughs> the dog so, gets fridged. You know, so you got, yeah, true. you got famine, feast, and then famine, I guess, so we can expect um, Hobbs and Shaw to be a feminist masterpiece. Well, uh, Atom- Atomic Blonde, uh, he, he also killed the girlfriend. Uh, yeah, but he also kills the boyfriend at the beginning. This is an Atomic Blonde spoiler special. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry. Yeah, yeah. So this is the Atomic Blonde spoiler special. No, I'm so sorry about this. So at the beginning of no, Atomic Blonde, stop there, the boyfriend should, gets killed. Should we see how many other films we can ruin in this spoiler <laughs> special? We're doing well. It, I, ju- I just think it's it's overused. So I just I just saw that and was immediately like, oh, okay. Yeah. Even without that, though, I thought the first 20 minutes was slow to get going. It was slow to really find his feet. For me, the movie really kicks into gear and really becomes funny with the arrival, weirdly, of Cable. But really, it's it's a moment that uh, X-Force yeah. comes into being. Mm, I agree. From that moment, it becomes, it's the, he almost forgets, Deadpool almost forgets that he's grieving about his, his girlfriend. And he just is Deadpool again. And I could watch, honestly, yeah. I could watch that guy all day long, uh, riffing with those characters, having fun. Yeah. I love the sequence where they're in uh, Blind Al's apartment and Cable's behind him. That's probably my second or third best scene in the film. Really, really funny stuff. It's a, you know, it's a, it's an interesting one. Ryan Reynolds in the interview said that they, you know, they felt they needed to do something to put him into a dark place, and maybe they could have looked around and felt, looked for someone else who could have put him in a dark place. I mean, if you kill T.J. Miller, maybe off screen a lot of people celebrate, <laughs> but I'm not so sure within the movie that Weasel has the the same emotional impact. Maybe Blind Al, you could have maybe done something to Blind Al. And uh, and pushed uh, Wade into that place, but maybe they didn't want to push him into a place where he just wanted revenge. I mean, there's a really interesting notion in the film. I mean, it's a genuinely interesting yeah. notion. You know, he says that you know because there's no real bad guy in this movie. There's no real villain in this yeah. in this film. Cable is introduced as an antagonist. Eddie Marsan. Eddie Mar- Well, yeah, Eddie Marsan. But you know, 
he's barely in it. But there's no real bad guy in this film. And the bad guy of the film, ultimately, from Wade Wilson's perspective, is himself. He blames himself. He says, you know, he says to Colossus, one of the guys responsible for Vanessa's death got away. It was me. And so that's kind of interesting in terms of how the film deals with with grief yeah. and with loss and with that feeling that you know this is not a, a character going on on, a, on an vengeful trip like John Wick or like Liam Neeson in the, in the Taken movies. This is a guy who's a bit lost, and then something gives him that purpose to get back in the game, and that that thing is is X-Force. That thing is, is Peter's moustache. So X-Force in this case is the puppy from John Wick. Yes. Wow. Should we That's go for that? a metaphor? <laughs> I, have, I also have a little bit of issue with Colossus, just because I really like him as an X-Men in the comics, mm. and I feel like the, the movies have never entirely given him his due, probably because he's really expensive, basically. Yeah. Um, but the X-Men movies, they always had him kind of in the background, a couple of scenes. He's got that great couple of scenes in X2, um, but he, you know he's never he's never had his due, and I feel like he is used so much as a little bit of a punchline by Deadpool. Now there's there's good Colossus stuff in there as well. Don't get me wrong, but he's a little bit too much of a punchline to really give me the Colossus hit that I want. I enjoyed Colossus versus Juggernaut. Yeah, that I especially was fun. enjoyed the choral introduction yes. <laughs> of Juggernaut, which isn't on the soundtrack. I don't think is no, it on the soundtrack? But it, it, is. it is. It is. Oh, thank God for that. Yeah, that I want that soundtrack simply for that. That's, Holy shit balls. That's the reason why the uh, the soundtrack, I believe, is the only orchestral score. It's the first orchestral score to be issued with a print advisory. Amazing. Uh, amazing. The shitball song is amazing. Yeah. yeah. I like that. It's, it, it's the motherfucking juggernaut. Isn't it? yeah, that's the lyrics. No, it's it the is. juggernaut. Holy shit, it's a juggernaut. And, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I also like that they threw in a really ridiculous aspect of juggernaut's backstory. Just casually, that he's he's uh, Professor X's brother. Well, yeah. adoptive brother, but you know, it, like stepbrother. I forget. Half, half brother. Half, half brother. brother. Half brother. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. it w- it's still ridiculous, and it still makes me laugh. Yeah. Anyone else on, on Colossus? What, what, what do we think of him? Um, oh, he's fine. I, I just, <laughs> I, I just, I just again, it's the X Force thing. I just really those characters felt so fresh and fun, and then they get wiped out, and you're left with uh, you know. Not, in my view, particularly great characters. I had the same kind of problem with um, teenage Negasonic, Negasonic teenage warhead and uh, her new girlfriend. Yukio, yeah, they're, they're okay. They're just they're no Peter. They are no. Well, who is no? And Few people no, are you Peter. Know, what was Terry Crews' name? Uh, he was Bedlam. Bedlam. Pennywise was Sidegeist. Brad Pitt was the Vanisher. Yeah. And uh, Sazie Beats is is Domino, uh, and the only one who <laughs> I like Domino a lot. <laughs> makes it that. Uh, Domino for me is yeah. I I thought she was fantastic. Yeah, she's loads of fun. But I honestly I loved Cable. I thought Cable was great. I know this should come as no huge shock to you from me, but uh, I yeah I did think Cable was fantastic. I do have one note about Cable. There's a point I think where Deadpool calls him um, John Connor, and that doesn't really work as a Terminator reference because he should call him the Terminator. He has a red eye and everything. Yeah, okay. he makes a solid from, point. Came came from from Kyle Reese, just came anyone back from the who future goes back to kill a kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean Ricky um, Baker is the John Connor. If anyone, Ricky Baker, <laughs> I guess. I guess maybe he's talking about it as you know John Connor is a soldier in the future who, and he's a soldier in the future. And but like, yeah, you're right. I think it's yeah. just funnier, isn't well, it, to say John Connor than to say Terminator or T1000. Yeah. Well, at least he calls him One-Eyed Willie, which made me laugh yes, a lot. That's that was funny. that was a super good reference. Deep uh, dive into early Brolin <laughs> filmmaking. Where does Wade Wilson get the time to immerse himself in pop culture? 
Yeah. Pandimensional, I'm telling you. Pandimensional. Clearly he's a fan of all this stuff. He he likes the Winter Soldier. He likes... Yentl. He likes Yentl. Yentl. I should have asked. Yentl. You know, was that because Barbara Streisand is Josh Brolin's stepmother? I should have asked that. Let's assume that it is. I mean, it's a, it's a good film. It, it but, won yeah. her a Golden Globe. But Deadpool's just a diva fan, isn't he? Because he likes Celine Dion, Barbara Streisand, you know. I, yeah. I really can't express enough how, how delighted I am with the Celine Dion music video for this film. I, I really, I, I cannot sum that up enough. Celine Dion has, has passed through in the last couple of years the give a fuck stage yeah. of her career <laughs> and gone into full-on does not give a fuck stage. And she has become hilarious, <laughs> genuinely a hilarious woman. I have so much time for her. Uh, soundtrack's really great in this, this film. <laughs> genuinely, the soundtrack's really great. And, uh, you know, it starts with All Out of Love and... You know, he's obviously cut up about George Michael dying, as we all were. And um, <laughs> thank the, God we still have. Yeah, oh, that's a great joke. That's, that's a great joke. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one of the Is best. Is it too jokes. soon? Is it too soon? Though? I don't know. I think it was just about on the cusp of it's okay. Uh, but you know, it's got the, the acoustic aha uh, uh-huh, take on me. Yeah, and of course, Nine to Five by Dolly Parton, Nine one of five. the great, great film themes. Uh, the Pina Colada song. Escape the Pina Colada song, which yeah. of course in Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's playing in the sequence where Dickie Greenleaf and Alan Tudyk are attacked by Cable. Yeah. And I almost thought to myself, hang on a second, is the song a clue to who's on the prosthetics? Is it Chris Pratt? Is this a way that Chris Pratt has got around <laughs> things and he's cameoing in Deadpool as well? But no, I think I still think it's Matt Damon. There's some ACDC on the soundtrack in the skydiving sequence. I know, but you've got to have one stinker in there, all right? Come on. Oh. Come on, take that back. Helen was you quite apologize. heartily singing along to Cher. Oh, yeah, If I Could Turn Back Time is one of the all-time greats. <laughs> I make no apologies. Also, Cher is an extremely easy person to sing in karaoke. She has a very small range. <laughs> it happens to match with my own range, so if I'm given the opportunity, I will always sing Cher. You've got a good Cher. range. I don't have a huge range. I really don't. You don't have a huge range? No. You're not like a Roy Orbison three I'm a, octaves? I'm a, I'm a mezzo. I'm not a full soprano. Uh, should we have a question? Yes, please. This is from Paul F. O'Regan, and you mentioned this, uh, I think you mentioned this, Jimbo, already. Uh, what do you think the chances are of future X movies or other big franchise movies in general following in Deadpool's example and including LGBT characters? I'd love to see it happen, but it doesn't seem likely anytime soon. Thanks. I think he means Thanos. No, thanks. A genuine thanks. I... I- I would hope so. Uh, I think was, I think uh, the whole Negasonic Teenage Warhead uh, element is a little underused in this. I'd like mm. to have seen more of her and uh, Yukio, but it was that sounds wrong. <laughs> yeah, that did sound wrong. Uh, that's not what I meant at all. Uh, I would have liked to have seen no. Um. <laughs> I would have liked them to have had more screen time. There we go. There we go. Uh, that would have been good. Um, but no, it's it's great to have them in there. She's a she's a fun character. Yeah. I'm just not sure in this one they really knew what to do with her yeah she doesn't do much apart from wave at wade yeah i think it is inevitable that that's changing Mm. i think what we're seeing at the moment is a lot of franchises saying off screen things that they won't commit to on screen so obviously fantastic beasts um obviously the recent discussion of lando in solo Mm. um but he's pan-dimensional too he is i believe that about him um but uh but yeah they they're they're not necessarily willing to commit to that sort of in canon on screen and I think but I think that's going to give way pretty quickly which I is I mean, I mean god almighty it's the 90s for god's sake let's just <laughs> let's just embrace it let's just go for it you're so right yeah Stephen Bucky Avengers 4 it's happening it is on I must admit and I watched The Winter Soldier or the end of The Winter Soldier because I was through it again last night and it is absolutely fizzing with sexual tension 
It really yeah. is, I'm telling it you. It really is. Yeah, I think that will change in the future, definitely. Mm. Uh, but even even with even with Solo, they're kind of walking around. They're under the kind of going, oh, you know, yeah. in the future we might be able to write an LGBT character and, well, you know, as someone said on Twitter, I think it might have been Joe Robinson, actually. Well, just write one. Just write one, dude. Yeah. It's fine. And have them do something. You know, because it feels a little bit like window dressing in this movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know. All right, so Liam C one one two asks: uh, Cable decides to stay put at the end and doesn't go back to his family. Doesn't that mean his daughter will never be conceived and he's effectively killed her? No, because he went back at a point after she was born. Precisely. Which we is go. Exactly what I replied to him on Aww. DM. Yes. Now we can talk Cable a little bit more. Actually, what do we make of Cable overall? But what do we make of his decision to stay behind at the end and to save Wade? I liked his gun. Did you notice it went up to eleven? Yeah. I did his settings. <laughs> that was yeah. cool. Um, he was cool. I like Cable a lot. I think the character was executed very well. Yeah, because he's a very predictable, been there, done that character in a way, mm. right? He's, mm. you know, um, every time travel movie pretty much has one of those guys. And uh, and yet he kind of feels interesting and kind of kept you guessing if you didn't know what was happening, which we probably did. Yeah. But um, He's got a lot of cool weapons, hasn't he? He's got that really cool shield. Yeah. He's got the gun that does a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, the motivation for him doing that, I mean, makes no logical sense whatsoever, because you just wouldn't. But it's it's kind of a, hey, we want to keep this guy around, because we might want to use him again. Uh, and really, that's the motivation. Let's, let's be <laughs> yeah, honest. Well, I, think it's, I think it's not just saving Deadpool at the end, is it? It's like, I may as well try stay here and try and save the world a bit while I'm, while I'm at it. Instead of going back to see uh, my family. Instead honest. of going back to Maybe save rubbish. himself. Oh my god, so deep. He's so profound. Uh, but you think about it, uh, Cable's wife and kid are fridged at the beginning of his storyline as well. And oh, so he comes what do you know? ba- he comes back in time yeah. to and they and they become fridge buddies. But like genuinely, it's not the, the problem this is the problem with this trope. It's not that oh, one character that we like has been killed. Yeah. It is so pervasive. It is everywhere and that's why it becomes a little bit wearisome. Helen, it sounds to me like you don't like this particular trope. Uh, you perhaps would not describe <laughs> yourself as a Fridge magnet. <laughs> so that makes oh, no sense. God. Can we have well, a joke no, intervention? I, mean, <laughs> I was thinking about... Uh, no, oh, fuck it, you know what, I'm going to make one that does make sense. Do you think that Cable is attracted to Deadpool because he's a fridge magnet? Chris, you need to <laughs> go to the cooler. You're not sending me to the cooler. <laughs> I need to go to the icebox and think about what I've done. That's a fucking good joke, you guys. That's a good joke. Oh, okay. Oh, you're, oh you kill me. Why don't you yawn again? <laughs> uh, do you like Cable? I do. I like Cable a lot. Cable. I'm, I'm Team Cable in the same way that I'm Team Thanos. You're the oh, t- my God. You're the Cable guy. I am the Cable guy. He only sounds like Thanos once in this movie. And he uh, gets called Thanos, but yeah. you can hear it very clearly in the trailer. I When we saw the film, it felt a bit muddy in the mix. I, you couldn't really make it out so well so I don't know if that's just where we saw it I thought it was a different line in the film to the trailer yeah there's a few times pump where they just, take. Yeah, yeah. different lines pump the hate breaks <laughs> yeah pump, no, pump that, the hate that, breaks yeah, that's yeah. funny what's or a hate it? break well, it's, it, a, it's a break of hate ah. don't do your brakes in your car you okay. pump the brakes in your car okay. and if you apply hate to those brakes they become hate breaks okay no, you're stopping the hate. Like, instead of stopping the wheels, no, you're yeah. stopping so, the hate. Yeah, but they're, yeah. they're breaks of hate. So, but, but he's pumping them, then there's more hate. No, what? No. He's stopping the hate when he pumps the hate brakes. <laughs> yes. yes. They're brakes that apply yes. to hate. They are not Pump breaks the hate made breaks. of hate. Yes. Pump the hate brakes, 
Thanos. Right. I've got it. There okay. we go. There we go. The penny drops. Uh, what do we think about the fact that this isn't really the cable from the comics yet? He's got things like the Technovirus, he's got the eye, he's got mm. the big gun, the certain attitude. But Deadpool the- is exempt from all you know, comic chronology, <laughs> mythology. It's it is very much its own mental thing. So, also, I enjoy that we are bringing in the word technovirus because that was always one of my favourite ridiculous nineties <laughs> developments. Love a technovirus. Uh, I like the fact that they brought in the fact that Shatterstar is from the Mojoverse <laughs> and uh, and has that interesting coloured blood. Mm. Shatterstar is a dreadful character, <laughs> and I celebrate his death. Well, clearly someone at, yeah. you know, Fox HQ agrees with you, so, yeah. But no, the, the technovirus is, of course, the reason that Cable has all those crazy sinews made out of, you know, yes. bits of pipe. Yeah, there's a point where uh, Brolin looks himself in the mirror, and my God, he's he ripped. He's 50 he really years is. old. 50 years old. There's still time for all of us. Yeah, I'm 50 years young. <laughs> That's what I say. Thanks, thanks, Val Dunigan. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, he's looking at himself in the mirror and you can see a bit where he, he fondles his... I mean, who you know, would, who his chest. His, his, his man, man boob. His, yeah, well, I don't know if that's a boob. His, his whatever that is. And it's a peck, I believe. It's a peck, his man peck. Mm-hmm. And, and he goes, ooh, a little bit. But he not in the sexy not way. <laughs> not in the sexy actually way. actually doesn't happen. He doesn't. But, no, but he kind of goes... He, well, not... Ooh, but Chris he is re-edit. <laughs> was he, is he circling his nipple? With his, none of this happens. And then he goes... <laughs> have you not, not seen that what version? What version of this film did you watch? <laughs> no? Okay. No. Anyway, but uh, he goes... He goes like... Ooh, rather than, you know, to, to show the detective... <laughs> fucking hell. To show the detective virus is... <laughs> Like Still he, advancing. He feels it, right? <laughs> he he goes, feels it, yeah. Thanks, yeah. Helen. He feels his... I think it's his left nipple. I'm not sure. With a sort of feather duster thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. Isn't there a riding crop? There's a tassel on there, I think. <laughs> anyway, you were talking about the tetanovirus. I don't know what I was talking about. Uh, but so we I'm, all like cable. We, like we cable. all like cable. We are all we cable like guys. Cable and a girl. Tidy. We liked Cable, what, and we've mentioned Domino already, but mm. I thought she I was love so Domino's. good in this. Daisy Beats in this is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> um, Jimbo, you, you say something good. <laughs> um, yes, yes, uh, I, I've got nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. Nothing. I, I really enjoyed how they were... I really enjoyed how they had Deadpool saying how uncinematic her power is mm. uh, as she provides, you know, some of the most yes. sort of big money moments And in that's the film, a great sequence. Which was a really cool sequence. So, and it was also a really good demonstration of the power of luck, which has always been, you know, there's a few characters in the comics who have that and they've, yep. they've been able to demonstrate it well. So um, they... They explained that quite neatly on the on the big screen quite fast, which I thought was good. Because Longshot, also from the Mojoverse, has that as his power. He does yes. indeed. Uh, I really, I thought Stacey Beats was fantastic. Her attitude was was brilliant. And mm-hmm. I, one of my favourite moments is that uh, shirt cocky moment when Cable walks in behind them, and and he expresses disgust at uh, Deadpool's tiny genitals and uh, Weasel. Domino and Deadpool basically all go, okay, one, two, three, and then we'll say our joke, and they all say slightly different jokes at the same time. And just her sense of com- her comic timing, her exasperation with the idiot boys. Helen, I can see why you identified <laughs> so well with Domino in this can't movie. Can't think why, can't think why. No, but, but, she, but she, is, yeah, she is really funny as well, which, which is nice, because, again, historically the problem in, of being the one girl and the team of boys is that you don't get to do the banter. And I mm. think that she gets some of the banter, which is kind of nice. Even even just the, you know, uh, the scene in the taxi 
where Deadpool's explaining, and that's why Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants is pure <laughs> pornography, and, and she's just sitting there going, I should have stayed in school. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's... I should have got an Uber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next time I get an Uber. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she has fun moments at the end, you know, like, you know, when she's trying to save the kids, the orphan kids, and goes, I need a bus right about now. I need a bus to get you out. And then a bus <laughs> slams through the window. Yeah. And she just goes, orphans? And, <laughs> and onto the bus. She's great. Can't wait to see more of her. Uh, interesting approach to the character as well, given that there's a history between Domino and Cable in the comic mm. books. Uh, she, Domino, I always get the impression, much older in the comic books than Stacey Beats is. But there's real room for them to grow as characters and uh, yeah just want to see more of her spin off well, not right now thanks the- Nick <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't call it Domino because we already have an amazing film called Domino my name is Domino Harvey and I'm, I'm a, a bounty hunter, hunter. <laughs> there we go there we go <laughs> had to get that out of the way um, did you see on uh, social media which I found slightly disheartening that there seemed to be an obsession with the fact that she didn't shave her armpits for the role um, well, I've also seen sort of women's sites, you know, cheering this. I, I just don't think it's relevant either way. So you know, I didn't fine. notice and I don't care. I didn't notice actually no. either. But. Nick, did you notice and do you care? Uh, I thought about bringing it up, but I didn't. Why? Because it made you so angry. No, no I just, it doesn't seem relevant. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's not. So, yeah, it's, it's not relevant. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's okay. fine. All good. Okay, so Fats, at Fats Coleman asks, or says rather, this is more of an observation, the post-credit time travel sting, whilst fun, totally devalued what little emotional weight the film had tried to muster by effectively resurrecting Vanessa and undoing the deaths of at least some of the X-Force, only Peter, mm. which is another thing I really like, that he goes back and only saves Peter. <laughs> uh, Deadpool might knowingly wink at the weightlessness of some mainstream superhero fare, but with Infinity War and Black Panther knocking it out of the park with deep feels and hard-won character moments, Deadpool's feel... Oh, Wow. Bloody hell. Someone Deadpool's needs... feeling increasingly like an unfunny punchline to an old joke we've all heard several years ago. Oh, I just harsh. feel he's kind of got to the bottom of my problem with these these films, and especially this one, in that there's just this very uneasy push and pull in my mind between the silliness um, oh. and the madness and then trying to give it some real weight, emotional stuff. And yeah. I just, I like it when it's being silly and daft and nothing matters and, you know, a kind of naked gun style just just firing jokes at you. But when it tries to be a real film, I just don't, I don't know, I don't think that's what people want from Deadpool. I don't and think- I just don't think that character works with you know a serious plotline and i had a bit of a problem not just with the the fridging but the the you know the eddie marzan sort of the 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 child abuse stuff as mm. well which i just thought was too heavy for this kind of film personally. we haven't actually mentioned ricky baker we haven't because um, he is basically playing ricky he's baker. playing ricky, ricky baker and i'm all due respect to him love him in in hum for the world of people i i did not love him in this I will always love him. He gets a free pass for life for wilder people. Yeah. And, and I still liked him in this. I, I, I still think he's really, really, really sweet. Because I think he's just, he's the kind of kid that when you when you see him, you instantly worry about his welfare, basically. Yeah. Um, especially the way he presents himself in both those films. He's, he's a delight in person and he has a loving and supportive family. And I'm sure he doesn't come across that way at all. But on screen, this is the impression you get. You just, you worry for him. He's he's just got that instantly empathetic quality where you're just like, I just, I just want you to be okay. I mean, you seem like you might not be and I hope you are. So... Yeah, so I, mm. I thought he was great, actually. I, th- I got his sort of panic in the opening scenes as well as his anger. And uh, and then his, his adorable little schemes to get ahead in prison, which horribly, <laughs> horribly backfire. But ultimately save Deadpool. I mean, I guess so. He keeps a pen in his prison wallet. Yeah. And that's the thing, that's the thing that saves Deadpool. That is a thing that is a thing. Also, also in the um, in the prison scene, we of course have Black Tom. <laughs> now, that really made me laugh. I, here's here's my thing, right? 
Ireland does not have a wealth of superheroes in either the Marvel or the DC universe. We have basically one. And Banshee. That's Banshee. And they made him American in the X-Men universe. <laughs> they, they took away our one superhero. Cultural then, appropriation, right? And then killed him off screen. And killed him off screen. Oh, by the way, that was an X-Men Days of Future Past spoiler special. Uh, just for anyone <laughs> who wasn't keeping track. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, so they, they took away our one superhero, but they keep his rubbish brother. <laughs> what? Come on. There yeah, has to be some kind of parody here. It's fine. Again, he was, I think he was meant to have a much bigger role, but I, I, that was my favourite running gag throughout the film. Uh, I don't think this film has dialogue as good as you shit spackle, that shit spackle Muppet fart, <laughs> or, but the... the constant references that Deadpool thinks that are you right Helen am I boring you <laughs> it's, it's half past six on a Friday man Fair I'm supposed to be yeah, that's okay um, <laughs> what sort of life do you lead is my, my monastic one clearly are you kidding half past six on a Friday where better to be than in bed well this got sexy uh, in a hurry but I really like the the running guy. You know, there's that great joke where he's trying to remember his name. Is it Black Tim, Black Evan? I don't know. All I remember is that he was African-American. And, you know, what's your superpower? Cultural appropriation. <laughs> but then my favourite one is to Cable. Yeah. You killed Black Tom, you racist son of a bitch. <laughs> Genuinely hilarious. I oh, really enjoyed that. And then Deadpool's death scene at the end. Uh, when yes. In his fourth so hour, he goes, he goes, Deadpool, uh, goes, Cable, I hope that in, in time you will learn to judge people by the, not by the colour of their skin, but by the content, content of their of the character. character. I mean, who said Deadpool couldn't quote Martin Luther King Jr.? <laughs> he proved them wrong. Amazing stuff. Um, his death scene generally I found very amusing. Yeah. yeah. Very entertaining. Really good. Uh, I honestly, and I said this to Ryan Reynolds, I could have watched another 10 minutes. <laughs> I could have watched another 10 minutes of him pretending to die and then pissing people off and then coming back to life again. I mean, again, it's Python-esque. You know, uh, John Cleese has a scene very similar to that in Shrek the Third. Well, this is a Shrek Alan the Third Partridge. spoiler special, by the way. Uh, Alan Partridge Alan Partridge well. and Alpha Papa. Yeah. This is Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa spoiler special all of a sudden. Yeah, it's true. But the way they execute it is really, really funny. And, you know, I, that's give props to Ryan Reynolds who I think is just born to play this role mm -hmm. also I think uh, Reynolds has been very involved in the marketing of this film and some of the stuff they've done is genius whether yeah. it be Celine Dion the David Beckham thing was really funny which was the David Beckham uh, thing where he turns up at David Beckham's house and apologises for making fun of him in the film and then they and Beckham starts slagging off his films and they sing together it, yeah it's funny watch it okay. I can't really do it justice that was really enjoyable and uh, one of the guys from the office who's in the states at the moment sent pictures of all the Fox movies have been re-sleeved so yes. Deadpool's in all of them so you've got uh, an X-Men one where Deadpool is all of the X-Men you've got the Predator one where it's Deadpool on the front oh yes you've got Logan and it's it's instead of being uh, Laura's hand in Logan's hand it's yeah, Deadpool's it's Deadpool's and so it's all the Fox films are Deadpool even Office Space that's a deep yeah. one. And they're just out of season. And even the back cover is it's Deadpool copy. Like they put so much effort into it. I think it's absolutely genius. I got sent a uh, royal wedding commemorative plate in the post today, and it is cable and deadpool on it. <gasps> and it is amazing. It sounds like the and best. It, it thing. came gold embossed with a kind of with a with a with a sort of like calligraphy all over it. I opened it all up and it had like a, a wax stamp on the back with DP on it, and you open it and it's a, a Deadpool plate. That is amazing. Yeah, Why don't was, I work uh, in the office anymore? 
it, it, it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> but I mean, they really have pulled out the stops on this one, so fair play to them. Uh, all right, let's bring this let's bring this bad boy home. We've we pretty much covered all the talking points, but we do have a couple more questions. Uh, very very quickly, Kobe Omanaka of the Wire Stripped podcast asks, uh, "What was your favorite gag in the film? The ones that made me giggle like an idiot are, and this is this is Kobe's suggestions: the X Men closing the door, readdressing the timeline at the end, <laughs> Ryan, shooting Ryan Reynolds in the head, <laughs> and shirt cocking." Uh, for me, it was shooting Ryan Reynolds in the head. Yeah, this is it. You've you've made it. You're in the big time. Yeah, that's genius. <laughs> I love that. That and and the Black Tom, the running gag, the Black Tom gag just destroyed me. Da, 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 da. Okay, and then I think the last question, and this will be one that we can tie into Deadpool's future as well. At three five, who asks, would you prefer to see Deadpool integrated into the MCU, presuming of course that the Disney takeover of Fox goes through? Or the X Meniverse, mm-hmm. uh, or stay relatively separated from concrete tie-ins. Separate, separate, separate. It's, it wouldn't work tonally. It, it doesn't work at all. I, but I don't think the X Universe, as it exists, will ever be part of the MCU. Even if the Disney Fox thing goes through, they will reboot the X Universe and adapt it for the MCU. They won't take what they currently have. I am inclined to agree, and I think even if he, even if it's bought by Disney, I don't think that will necessarily change what yeah. Deadpool does, which is to continue to make fun of. All sides, yeah. Um, which I hope he does. Uh, I would say, you know, in terms of uh, future films, Reynolds joked at the at the fan screening that this was originally going to be called Deadpool Two: Escape from Unicorn Mountain, and I <laughs> very much hope that they can get that in next time. And <laughs> I don't care if they justify the title; they probably shouldn't. But you know, they can do better than simply Deadpool Three. Wow! I think they should go straight to Deadpool Four. <laughs> Skip out three. <gasps> See, that would be good. That would mess with people. Good, right? I like it. See, I genuinely think that this should have been called Untitled Deadpool sequel, <laughs> which is what it was on the IMDb for the longest time. Yeah. And apparently, you know, I interviewed Reynolds for the magazine, and he said they did toy with it, and they did toy with Electric Boogaloo and all those fun titles, but ultimately they went lazy riding Deadpool 2. <laughs> but it should have been something that I just... To see people, because people walking into a cinema going, one for untitled Deadpool sequels, please, <laughs> or two, because they could have friends, uh, would have been really, really fun. But this character, because we know they're doing X Force next, and it's Drew Goddard, and it's not going to be Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, and Reynolds doesn't seem to be involved in the writing, uh, or in the writing of that. Obviously, he will be involved, he, you know, as a producer and whatnot, and he is Deadpool. But uh, is X Force going to be a, sl- a different film tonally? How is that going to work? Will Deadpool be breaking the wall? Breaking the wall. Will he be breaking the wall? Will he be breaking the fourth wall within that film? Yes. He has to, doesn't he? Or he's not Deadpool. I mean, if you look at, again, the comics are probably a good guide on this, right? Even if he's in a group comic, he'll still sometimes turn around and address the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't change what everyone else does. Yeah. So I feel like he'll just be doing what he does, but in a more minor capacity. So a bit like uh, Fleabag or something. You know, so yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, it's just an imaginary camera there that he's turning to. And he's not necessarily going to break the fourth. You know, he doesn't. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, that was well articulated. <laughs> <laughs> it is now six... Uh, 6.41 on a Friday night, and I think it is time to wrap this bad boy up. That's it for our Deadpool 2 spoiler special. Uh, our next spoiler special is going to be for... Solo. Well, no, i just got to work out my dates here, because I actually think our Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom spoiler special with director uh, J.A. Bayona and producer Colin Trevorrow is going to be up before our Solo spoiler special with director Ron Howard. So keep them peeled, but it will be Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, and then probably Solo. So keep them peeled. As ever, the, the regular The Mothership podcast is up every Friday. It features this, only more so. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know if that's a deterrent or not. James hasn't yawned on that one yet, though, which is 
a mercy. We normally do them a lot earlier than this. Yeah. If you look, everyone in this building has gone home. That's because they have lives. We yeah. only have lists. Yeah, Friday night, what are we doing? We're wanging on about Deadpool 2 in a little room. Thank God you said wanging. <laughs> uh, that is it for Deadpool 2 Sporter Special. Thank you so much, of course, to James Dyer. Thanks. Nick DeSemlian. Goodbye. Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye for me. I'm off to shirt cock it down Oxford Circus over Friday night. Nobody's going to notice. Chris, as your lawyer. That's a, no, honestly, Helen, it's a damning indictment of my own genitalia. Nobody's going <laughs> to notice. On that note, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>